Hey friends, welcome back to Geological and welcome to 2019. First podcast of the year. Here we are on New Year's Day. You might I don't know if you're listening on New Year's Day, but this podcast is coming to you on New Year's Day. It's a solo show today. I wanted to spend a little time doing a bit of a review of Geological from the past year, a little recap, some highlights, tell you a little bit about what to expect in the coming year, and then I'd like to share some of the clinical insights that I have gleaned over the past six months learning the Sa'am acupuncture system. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you'll know that I've been talking about this quite a bit. It's never something I expected that I'd be studying or even using, but you know, when you do a podcast, there's all kinds of things that you learn from your guests. This happens to be one of them. So to begin with first, I want to thank the guests of the show. I want to thank you for all the conversations that I've had. You've helped me to enliven my practice, open my perspective, and remind me of the vast depth and breadth of our medicine. And while it arises from a few basic principles, it's amazing how it flowers into a fantastic variety of methods, forms, and perspectives. I am truly grateful that you've made time to sit down and have a conversation with me. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. 
Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office, and I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code CHEOLOGICAL at the time of sign-up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. There's a few conversations that really stood out for me in the past year. First, the Gua Sha episode with Sandy Camper and Catherine Nemirovsky. I got to tell you, that episode changed a lot of how I work in my clinical practice. I had been ignoring the power and simplicity of gua sha, and I was missing out, and my patients were missing out. So if gua sha is something that you use, I think you would enjoy this episode. If gua sha is something you're not using, go check this one out. Also, the conversation with Sabine Wilms discussing humming with elephants. Oh, I love it because... It doesn't tell me how to do anything. That book doesn't tell me what to do, but it opens my perspectives in ways that allow me to somehow access something more. And it's not just when I'm in the clinic. Jason Robertson, oh man, I love stories where you set off to do one thing, but then something else comes along and it changes everything. His conversation, talking about Wang Jui, channel palpation, Hey, if you like putting your hands on people, check that episode out. And then there's the two episodes, really, that I did with Greg Livingston. I'm so much more aware of blood stasis and its obvious and sometimes not so obvious manifestations. It's a great one. And a lot of fun was the episode with Mary Beth Huey. That that one's over on the geological side of the house. It's about marketing and authenticity. Oh, man, if you want to get your marketing game together, you got to go listen to that one. Sitting down with Ed Neal to talk about perspectives from the Neijing. I love this stuff because it doesn't give me anything specific to use in clinic, but it opens my sense of inquiry and perception. And that, in turn, changes how I do things in clinic. Daniel Schulman. Oh, man, I loved the conversation I had. Actually, two conversations that I've had with him. His perspective is so steeped in his use of clinic as a lab for learning and understanding. It's just a delightful conversation on how we learn from our experience and how we learn from our patients. Finally, Margot Rossi. I have been chewing 
on Chinese medicine with her since she slipped a few needles into me way back in the early 90s and sent me off on an exploration that, well, it has me here talking to you right now. Really, I'm grateful for all of the conversations that are the lifeblood of this podcast. And then there are a number of conversations with Toby Daly. You know, it's funny. Toby originally approached me to sponsor a handful of shows as a way to let y'all know about his really cool Chinese Nutritional Strategies app. And it is a great app, by the way. And if you like helping your patients with Chinese medicine food therapy, you want to go check it out. It's over on the web. Go, just go to uh, ChineseNutritionalStrategiesApp.com. You'll find it. As Toby and I were working on the sponsorship messages for the podcast, I came across his article in the Journal of Chinese Medicine that had arrived in the late spring of last year. I'd heard about Sa'am back when I was in Taiwan, but I never could find anything really helpful or coherent about it. And so I was delighted to find his concise article on this. And then I managed to talk him into doing a podcast conversation. That's episode 45. And by the way, you'll find his article down in the show notes there too. It took me some time to wrap my mind around the unique ways the channels counterbalance each other in this system. Luckily for me, and for my patients for that matter, Toby was really generous with his time and his knowledge. I started using the system, which led to some great clinical results, but it also led to some problems too. And I'm going to tell you about one of those a little bit later in the show. Long story short, Geological not only has a follow-up on the Geogelician side of the house, where Toby takes us on a tour of the 12 channels, you'll also find three different episodes with practitioners bringing their questions to Toby as they start to apply this method. These are great resources if you want to learn about some acupuncture. Also in last year, the podcast covered the Sports Acupuncture Alliances Conference, which had an aggressive publication schedule. You know, I'm probably nuts to be doing this, but the podcast has lined up a couple of conferences for 2019. In the coming year, Geological will be at the Love Your Practice Conference, put on by LASA OMS in Santa Monica, February 9th and 10th. And additionally, I will be podcasting from the Shennong Society's Conference in New York City on March the 19th. Go to shennongsociety.org for more information about that. It's going to be a fantastic day for those of y'all that love herbal medicine. Also in the new year, look for some live classes like the one we will be doing on Sa'am Acupuncture in Seattle at the end of January. We are working on other venues around the country as well, and I'll let you know about those as we line them up. Also, if you'd like to help host a Sa'am training, ping me here at the podcast. And for all y'all that like the stuff online, watch for a video of the Seattle class coming later in the spring. Okay, that's enough for the first quarter of the year to kill an elephant. Somewhere in all this, I got patients to take care of too. Good thing I've got ready access to Chinese herbs and some acupuncture. Hey, I want to take a few minutes to share some thoughts on the practice of practice, aka business, as my grandpa used to say. Couple things that come to mind, you know, these are things, you know, you, you see things on Facebook, you hear people talking. There's some bad habits that if you can get rid of them, I think they'll help your practice. So let's talk about the first one complaining. 
Oh, man, there's a point in my life I thought that complaining was helpful. You know, it would help me to identify problems so I could fix them. But usually complaining isn't so useful. And especially when it comes to putting others down to pull myself up. I find that I've been doing this for years and, and it's taken a long time to break the habit. I still catch myself doing it. But you know, it's so easy in clinic when I hear about the kinds of treatments that have gone wrong, right? People come into us all the time. They've seen a doctor or a PT or a chiropractor or some other practitioner. It doesn't, really, it doesn't matter what kind of practitioner. We hear the story of how it's gone wrong and we're thinking, yeah, those idiots, you know, I can fix this. And, it, you know, it's not a bad idea to think, hey, I can fix this. But when we start talking with our patients about how bad their previous treatment was, it, I don't think it's really all that helpful. So I find myself watching myself in clinic that even if I'm thinking those idiots over there, I try not to say anything about it. Really, any time that I can lever myself by putting someone else down, it's probably a bad idea. But in a way, I suspect this is also kind of human nature. But ultimately, it's not helpful. More helpful is listening to how the patient makes sense of the experiences that they've had on the path to healing. And I try to follow their lead rather than promote my agenda. I find that when I do this, I have more energy at the end of the day. And interestingly enough, I'm less angry too. The other thing I want to mention about business and marketing is money and generosity. You know, so often we conflate generosity with discounting our fees. And while conflating generosity with money is an easy mistake to make, I mean, after all, it seems almost all the world is engaged in a race to the bottom of, hey, let me give this to you for less. I think it's more important to think about all the different ways that you can demonstrate your generosity without having to lower your prices. I think it's helpful to investigate this for yourself. Here's a couple of ideas I have about how to demonstrate your generosity toward those that you seek to help without discounting your fees. First one is, where can you listen where others don't listen? And what about spending more time on your craft so that you know it more deeply? You know, it's a generous act to take time away from the rest of your life to learn what you know how to do and learn how to do it better so that you can be of more service to your patients. And here's another one. Give your patients credit for their healing instead of taking it for yourself. There's a real act of generosity. And writing helpful newsletters. I'm not talking about the kind of newsletter that you send out to try simply to promote yourself. I'm talking about writing newsletters with valuable useful information, the kind of stuff that helps to keep patients out of the doctor's office, and that includes yours. That's a real act of generosity. And how about crafting a clinic space so that it's a space of refuge? It's not just a medical office. It's a place where people can go and fall into a deeper aspect of themselves. Another way to show your generosity is to take good enough care of yourself that you're available to your patients. Selfishness and self-care are two really different things. There are plenty of ways to demonstrate your generosity. And I think when you uncouple this from money, you'll find that you feel a lot more comfortable with charging what you're actually worth and that your patients are getting the benefit of that value. 
All right, let's get into this Sa'am stuff now. I want to start by saying that what I'm about to share with you today is not something I've completely figured out. In fact, every time I feel like I've got a handle on something new, a couple of new bothersome questions pop up. You're not going to get some kind of Ken Wilber grand unified theory here. This is, it's more like a mishmash of things I've been puzzling over for a while and some clearer ways of looking at the relationships between the six levels and the five phases as we look at the ways the resonances of the organs and the channels can open up possibilities for a better understanding of our patients in clinic. One of the side benefits of studying and using the Sa'am system is that it has helped me to better understand how some of the herbal medicine I've studied over the years connects up with acupuncture. A number of years ago, I had a wonderful opportunity to work with Dr. Huang Huang and help him bring his book, Shi Da Lei Fang, The Ten Key Formula Families, from Chinese into English. At that time, I was especially interested in his perspective on the Shanghan Lun and how people tend to fall into certain constitutional types that matched up with the functions and the actions of certain herbs. I found this to be really helpful in orienting myself in clinic as it was easier to dial in which formula families of herbs might be suitable for a patient. It would give me a good place to start and it helped to dial in a prescription that would be both safe and effective for that patient. Later, I came across the work of Dr. Hu Shishu. He had a way of diagnosing by paying attention to which of the six levels the disease process was touching and then selecting formulations that would match that presentation. More interesting to me was the way he connected up the six levels, with the Taiyang being connected to the Xiaoyin as they were both outer aspects of yin and yang, and how he saw the Xiaoyang and the Jiayin as pivoting into each other. I don't know about the schooling that you had, but when I was studying, we learned that the Xiaoyang was a pivot between yin and yang, but I didn't really get a clear indication on where in the yin it was being pivoted into. Likewise, the jue yin, the end of yin, which is the place where things come apart, we're told that there's a separation of yin and yang, but it was always a bit mysterious to me where all this was going, other than death, which in a way never made sense to me because if all of these levels are connected to each other, wouldn't there be a place that Dre Yin connects into the rest of this system in a way that it didn't have to do with death? And actually, when you think about it, how often do you treat the liver and the gallbladder in your daily clinical work. And we're not talking about a, a fatal situation here. So I was always curious about that Drillian. It never made a lot of sense to me. Of course, back then, we had to learn the structure of the six levels like this because we had to pass a national exam. But clinically, it always seemed like a patchwork quilt and needed more patches. Hushi Shu made it clear that the Xiaoyang in the Drillian were simply the yin and yang aspects of the pivot. They were the half-in, half-out mirrors of each other that allowed yin and yang to transform into each other. That made a lot of sense to me as an herbalist. But I was never able to really put that dynamic together with acupuncture until I started working with the Sa'am system. Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. 
a working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of Yang Qi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. I am not going to go into the history of Sa'am, as you can look that up on the internet, and I'm not going to go into other traditions that basically use the same four-needle technique. I'm going to stick here with my own clinical experience. And some of the things that Toby said when I've called him up for questions, usually because I've run into some kind of dead end with my thinking, or my treatment took a patient in the wrong direction. As with herbs... If you mistreat somebody with this method of acupuncture, you will find out pretty quickly as people do get worse. And while this kind of thing can help to clarify your diagnosis, there's always some damage control and repair that needs to be called for. So here are the main points that I'm going to cover today. First, the six levels and the five phases are not separate ways of viewing the body. Next, the Fu organs carry just as much weight and influence as the Yin organs. Next, and I think this is really important and maybe one of the m most helpful things that I've learned by working with the Sa'am system. We have learned in our training to see the six levels through the lenses of pathology, but rarely consider their use from the perspective of health and proper physiological function. I've also found that it's helpful when learning this system, it might even be helpful when learning any system. Start simple because then you'll have clarity on what your treatment did and what the results were. Also, I've discovered that tonification and sedation are real. This is one of those things that for many years, I didn't know if tonification and sedation really had an influence on things, but in working with this system, I've discovered they absolutely do. I've got a couple stories for you on that. And finally, I think it's important that you've got some kind of markers that you use for engaging the effectiveness of your treatment, whether that's tongue or pulse or some kind of palpation. Okay, so let's get into this. First item. Unlike how most of us have been trained with a kind of bias toward thinking about the yin organs as more important than the yang organs, in this way of working, there is no preferencing of the zang over the fu. Both are important. Both play a role. All are needed for the proper physiological functioning of the mind, body, and spirit. And all have equal roles to play in the maintenance of health and in the treatment of disease. Now, especially with the five-element theory that I was exposed to in the early part of my training and practice, which really was skewed toward focusing on the in organs, 
if you do nothing more than start to give the young organs equal attention in your clinic, I suspect you're going to bring more benefit to a lot of your patients. Next, I think it's really helpful to know and think about the full name of a channel as this will help gain you some access to the various characteristics of that channel that you might be overlooking. So for example, the lung channel. The lung channel is the hand tie-in metal channel. The spleen is the foot tie-in earth channel. Small intestine, it's the hand tie-yang fire channel. And the heart, the hand xiaoyin fire channel. Thinking of the channels this way gives you more information and a more nuanced perspective than simply thinking lung and spleen are opposite ends of the tie-in or that heart and small intestine are a yin-yang pair of fire. All these things are true, of course, and they're helpful in the clinic, but you'll get a more nuanced kind of three-dimensional look at channel and organ function when you consider their full names that bespeak their six-level in five-phase names. And more importantly, you'll have more in the front of your mind the physiological and the therapeutic functions that these have. One way to practice this is the next time you find yourself thinking about things in terms of five phases, see if you can also describe the situation from the point of view of the six levels. I'm going to encourage you for the moment to leave Zongfu out of the picture. And likewise, if you're viewing a patient's condition in terms of the six levels, can you also understand it from a five-level perspective? There's a lot of useful information in here. And again, while Zongfu can be useful, it has its place. In learning the Sa'am method, in learning to sort of glue together the six levels with the five phases, it's generally helpful to leave out that Zongfu relationship, at least in the beginning. Just like we have diminished ability to see depth when one eye is covered up, if you can use both six levels and five phases at the same time, there is a depth and a dimension that can open up in your diagnosis and in your treatment in the clinic. All right, this next one has been a real eye-opener for me. Learning to view the six levels from the perspective of harmony, proper physiological function, and dynamic balance. In school, we learn to identify pathology and do what we can to change it. But in first learning pathology, we can easily overlook the proper functioning of an organ, element, or level. And in overlooking the proper functioning, we cut ourselves off from using it as a resource. So here's an easy example, the Yangming. If you're an herbalist, you've learned that the Da Cheng Chi Tang imbalance of profuse sweating and heat along with dryness on the inside calls for that particular prescription. And when we think only of pathology, we overlook that there is indeed a function in the body that is warm and it brings moisture to the surface and at the same time it parches dampness in the interior. You can look at the diseased aspect of it or you could look at the proper physiological functioning of what the Yangming does. Focusing only on pathology limits our understanding and ability to use the proper physiological functions in a skillful way. 
And it's by calling on the proper functioning of the the Ojing, the six levels, that we help to rebalance our patient's systems so that their self-healing abilities naturally come into a more coherent state of balance. So look to the Yang Ming to bring dryness to the interior. And likewise, if more moisture on the interior is needed, then it's the tie-in where you want to do your work. Yang Ming and tie-in, these two can be quite helpful in treating issues of dryness and dampness as they are indeed two sides of a coin. In a moment, I'm going to give you a clinical case study about this and you'll get a better sense of what I'm talking about. All right, let's look into another series of relationships, hot and cold. Of course, this is part of our eight parameters dynamic, hot and cold, in and out, yin and yang, all that good stuff. Hot and cold. For bringing more heat to the body, look to the Shaoyin. Now, many of you, especially you herbalists, might be thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, the Shaoyin is about cold. And especially when you start thinking about Shaoyin formulas like Ma Huang Futsu, Xixin Tang, or Sini Tang, again, remember, we're not looking here at pathology. We are looking to work with the proper physiological function of the six levels. These formulas are hot because they're treating pathology in the Shaoyin. They are adding heat to an aspect of the body that naturally should have some dynamic fire in it. And if cold resides there, then it is indeed a condition of illness. So it's easy to think about the Shaoyin as being cold, but that's only when we're dealing with pathology. Let's take a closer look here at the Shaoyin. Now, it's easy to see where the heat comes from when we're looking at the heart. After all, it's a fire organ. But it's easy to miss the heat of the Shaoyin kidney because we tend only to think of cold water when we think of the kidney. But within the cold water is the fire of the Mingmen, right? And within the kidney is also the kidney yang. That's your Shaoyin fire. In this case, it's the fire within water. Are you starting to get a feel for this? Really, it's all stuff that we probably were exposed to in school. And each of the six levels and the five-phase relationships can be used therapeutically to counterbalance a problem in a related level or phase. I don't have time to walk you through all the levels and organs in this podcast, but I think you've got a general idea here that each level and each organ has its proper function, and we can use the zheng qi of that proper functioning to treat pathology or imbalance in other places. Let me give you a couple of examples from my clinical work here to illustrate these principles in action. The first one came from a couple of crossed wires in my thinking when I first started using this AM method. This patient was your classic, air quotes here, spleen deficiency. She was overweight. She had a pale tongue with a moderate, wet, full white coating, acid reflux, along with powerful cravings for sweets and fast carbs. She sweated easily. She had moist skin. You know, all the usual stuff, right? Her pulses lined up with the other spleen deficiency signs as they were super soggy. TCM thinking, spleen deficiency, right? Unfortunately, I tonified her spleen in this one treatment as I wasn't thinking about proper physiologic function via the six levels. What I should have done is treat her large intestine to bring the dryness from the Yangming into the Taiyin. 
After all, think about it here. When we tonify the spleen in TCM, what are we doing? Essentially, we're looking to dry that spleen out. And especially when you think about herbs, we're talking about damp dispelling herbs. We're talking about herbs that improve fluid metabolism. And in general, looking to parch, dry, and drain the fluids out of that patient. What we actually do when we tonify the Yang Ming is we bring dryness to treat an abundance of tie-in fluid. Like I said, I mistakenly tonified her spleen. So in the end, what happened was, is I added dampness to an already waterlogged situation. And I failed to catch it until she came up to the front desk and said, am I supposed to be feeling dizzy and nauseous? Oh, man. When we say spleen deficiency in TCM, what this actually will translate into in the Sa'am system is a spleen excess, an excess of spleen fluids, an excess of tie-in fluids. When the spleen is excess, there is too much tie-in fluid, and the best way to take care of that is to bring in the parching influence of the metal and the yang ming to dry it out. What organ is metal yang ming? That's right, large intestine, which not only has the dryness of the yang ming, but it has the dryness of the metal. It's double dry. So when you're seeing people that are super wet, they've got that spleen deficiency, TCM thinking, turn it around, look at the ideas of what are proper physiological functions at the six levels, and you'll see that large intestine is the organ to tonify. It'll take care of that spleen dampness. So when using this OM system, especially in the beginning, be careful with your thinking, as your basic TCM will help you get to an accurate diagnosis, but in this case, an issue with the spleen, the wording that you use in your thinking can take you down the wrong path of treatment. Again, Consider proper physiological functioning of the organs, phases, and levels, and tonify the ones that will naturally take care of the problem that you've just identified. Here's another case to illustrate proper physiological function, and this time, combine it with channel trajectory. And it touches on that thing I talked about earlier with the Xiaoyin being about fire and how the kidney is an organ of both fire and water, except in this case, I want to talk about the small intestine, which in the Sa'am system is used to balance the kidney in the same way that the large intestine is used to balance the spleen. Really, when you think about this, when you look into it, and it may seem confusing at first, but the pairings in the Sa'am system are about functional counterbalance. In much the same way that we see the yin-yang aspects of organ pairings being a kind of counterbalance, or the way that we can use the hand and foot aspects of the same name meridian being used to counterbalance each other. So in this case, the small intestine, you know, that organ in TCM that's always kind of left flapping out in the wind, it's the Fu organ of the heart. And while in Western medicine, we know that the small intestine is critical to the absorption of nutrition, in TCM, well, Actually, how often do you think about treating the small intestine, either organ or channel? I suspect not very often, right? I mean, when you think about this, it's the fire organ that if you look at your basic anatomy, it sits right between the kidneys. Hmm. 
fire between the kidneys, the organ that's responsible for the absorption of nutrition. Put your hand on your dantian. You're touching the area of the small intestine. You know, this sounds a bit like the life gate, doesn't it? This sounds a bit like the mingmun. And that's a whole other rabbit hole and not one that I want to get into right now. What I want to look at is the small intestine from the Sa'am perspective and why it is a powerful channel and organ for moving chi and blood. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of chi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. So the small intestine, like I said, in many ways is similar to the kidney. There's an aspect of it that is fire, and it gets that by being the yang organ of the Shaoyin heart. It's fire. It also has an aspect of deep cold that shares a resonance with the cold water of the urinary bladder. So here again, we have the small intestine as a mixture of Taiyang cold along with the fire of being paired with the heart. This Heat cold creates dynamic motion. You can see this out in nature. Look at the energy generated when hot and cold weather systems meet. Or you can also look at how the warm and the cold currents of oceans set up a dynamic that circulates the water throughout the oceans of the planet. And it actually drives weather patterns. And especially if there are issues along the trajectory of the small intestine channel, then this can work wonders. I recently had a woman in my clinic who couldn't get her right hand above her shoulder. Taking off her t-shirt was a study in workarounds and contortions. She tried to show me just how bad it was by making the motion of crossing her arms and taking off her t-shirt. There was no way that she'd get either of her hands above her shoulder. So I love it when I see cases like this because you can set them right up on the table. You can put a few needles in and you, you can look and see if your treatment's having an effect. And it's often astonishing for patients when they see range of motion appear within minutes where previously they didn't have it. So for this patient, I put a couple needles in the small intestine channel opposite the shoulder that was giving her the most problem. It's four needles, tonifying gallbladder 41, and tonifying small intestine 3, and then dispersing urinary bladder 66, 
and small intestine too for needles at the extremities so it's easy to allow patients to continue to try moving their body. I put those needles in. We waited just a moment or two. I started to raise her hand, and now it went almost all the way up to her head. I then asked her to make that motion where she'd cross her arms like she was tugging at the bottom of her T-shirt and lift it off over her head. Her hands went all the way up. It's really one of these combinations that I found to be super helpful, not just for pain, but again, for almost any kind of issue along the small intestine channel. You can try it out in your practice. Okay, I suspect by now I've either sufficiently confused you or given you some new ways to think about using the proper ways the body functions to treat the places of illness. One of the great things about this system is that it just takes four needles, two that tonify, two that disperse. One to tonify the horary point of the mother channel, one to tonify the mother point of the channel you're treating, and then one to disperse the horary point of the controlling channel, and finally, one to disperse the control point on the channel you're treating. You do this all on one side. In fact, especially in the beginning, it's really helpful to just treat one side because, again, you'll have a very uncomplicated, simple treatment, you'll be able to really see what kind of results you get and it won't be muddied and mucked up because of other kinds of needles that you put in. Here's an example. To tonify the hand Yang Ming large intestine, first you tonify the element that gives rise to metal. So that would be stomach 36, the Yang Ming earth point. Then tonify the earth point on the arm Yang Ming metal channel. That's large intestine 11. Next, we're going to shut down the controlling influences of fire on the metal. So disperse small intestine 5, which is the fire point on the hand Taiyang fire channel. And then disperse large intestine 5, the fire point on the hand Yang Ming metal channel. I know for myself, it took a while to think through these relationships with the yang organs, as previously, I'd only thought to use these five-phase dynamics with the yin organs. Again, Toby's article has a really nice set of charts, and it'll provide a wonderful cheat sheet for you until you get this stuff into your muscle memory and experience. You know, really, it's not particularly complicated, and while in the beginning, it might take a little while to wrap your head around this stuff, it's not particularly complicated. And you can quickly see the results of your treatment, for good or for bad. And really, if you want to start learning this system, you can do an awful lot of good with just four needles. More importantly, you'll learn more quickly from your clinical experience if you'll only treat one channel and then carefully observe the results that you get in clinic and see how people progress over the course of a few treatments or a few weeks. I have found it helps to start slow and to be meticulous. Keep the treatment variables to a minimum, and this way you can more clearly gauge the results of your treatment. Now, something else that I've learned from this, and this is something that dogged me for years and years and years. We learned all these methods about tonification or sedation, these many turns, lifting, thrusting, blah, 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 blah. 
I never really knew if that stuff was real or not. At least I wasn't able to use it in a way in my own clinical work that would give me any clear indication that tonification and sedation made much of a difference. And one of the things that I've discovered in doing this Sa'am work is that tonification and sedation, it's absolutely real and it's absolutely essential in the way that you needle your patients with this particular method. I want to bring something up here. A lot of us think that acupuncture is inherently harmonizing and you can't hurt people with it. That idea in the Sa'am system doesn't hold water. And really, if you think about anything that's powerful enough to heal, then it's also powerful enough to cause harm. Let me give you just a, a quick, short story here on something that I saw in clinic that really drove home the point to me about the placement of the needles for tonification or dispersion and why it's so critically important. I did a treatment for a patient I've had for a long time. I This was in the beginning, again, when I was starting to use the system. I was just treating one side. And generally speaking, this patient will settle quite quickly with the acupuncture. And I did a treatment, and I thought I was pretty spot on with what I'd done. I got the four needles in. Her pulse wasn't settling down the way that it usually does. And, and while, she, I mean, she's one of these nice people. She said, oh, yeah, I feel pretty good. I wasn't buying it. And so I looked to see if maybe I should be treating a different channel. And when I did that, I noticed that one of the needles that should have been put in for dispersion, I'd put it in as tonification. So I took it out and I replaced it in the proper direction. And it was amazing. Within moments, her eyes sort of fluttered closed. Her pulse settled down. She just drifted off as I was dimming the light to the room. It was really astonishing to me that a simple thing like the direction of a needle for tonification or dispersion, it could make that much of a difference. But I watched it happen right before my very eyes. And my suspicion is that if you start using this, you too will probably make a few mistakes on the way to getting it right and really being able to use it with a lot of skill. So be open to those moments where you've messed it up. I mean, you might even treat the wrong channel. And then as you're writing your clinical notes, realize that you did it wrong. Go back in, pull those needles, put it in the way that it should be. I bet that you're going to notice some big changes. Another thing that will be helpful to you is to use the markers and the gauges that you already use in your practice to see how the treatment's going. It's really helpful to have markers that you can reference when treating with this method. Tongue and pulse can profoundly change in a short amount of time. I've actually seen remarkable changes in tongue coating in just a few minutes. I mean, changes that in school I was taught, you're not going to see this. After all, tongues change slowly. I got news for you. Check the tongues if you're using the Sa'am system. You're going to see some amazing stuff. Also, if pulse is your thing, watch for changes there. If you tend more toward palpatory findings, like put your hands on people, you palpate abdomens or channels, all that sort of thing, continue doing that and be sure to write down your findings and then do your treatment and then go back and check your palpatory findings. You might find some really amazing things happening there. Regardless of what kind of references that you use to assess your patient's condition, 
be sure to double check them after the needles are in. This will help you to know that you're on the right path and it will help you to be assured that your treatment has not gone astray. Oh, one other way of knowing your treatment's gone astray, if the patient is lying there with their eyes cranked wide open and staring at the ceiling, you might want to double check what you're doing. And the reason that you want to make sure that you've got it right is because these treatments are not at all harmonizing. They are sending a clear and direct signal to the body. We are not looking here to create a balanced treatment. We're looking to do a treatment that restores the body back to balance. All right, I could probably ramble on and on about this stuff, but I think you probably have a general idea. And you can take these principles I've been discussing and apply them to each of the channels. Again, Toby's article, which you can find on the show notes page of episode 45, it explains things beautifully. Welcome to 2019, friends. And as the Chinese say, Wan Shi Rui. May all that you'd like to see manifest come to pass. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.